Hello there, people. This is Tyler. This is Danny. And this is the Fried Squirms. We're here to get stoned and talk about horror movies. This week will be Hagazusa. I didn't actually look that up. Are we saying that correctly? That's I all I've ever so. heard people say. Hagazusa. I don't know how it would be different, but it's German. Yeah. And it's not even it. like modern German. It's like old German. So, yeah. I mean, there might be a slight mispronunciation, but I think we're pretty good. <laughs> An old high German term for witch. Ooh, we like it. We do like it. Yeah, we're going to go with Hagazusa. If anybody knows any different, let us know. Yeah, hit us that up. would be awesome. But I've only ever heard people say that. <laughs> but before we get to that movie, we're going to get stoned. We're not going to stone any witches. No, we'll get stoned with witches. But That's right. <laughs> any witches you want, hit us up. That's right. We'll get stoned exactly. with you. Exactly. So, Danny, what is this, Jay, that you brought for me today? Nice. So, did stop by Flower on the way over and picked up a joint of Alien OG, which over at Flower, theirs is an Indica dominant hybrid, right? So, with that being said, Alien OG, also known as Alien OG Kush, it's a cross of Tahoe OG and Alien Kush. It says it was first available as a clone in California's Bay Area and now in seed form from Cali Connection. Now, this one has your typical lemon and pine OG smell flavor. It has an intense high. It combines heavy body effects and a psychedelic cerebral buzz, which might come in hand for this particular episode. Now, as far as terpenes, numbers, all that fun stuff, right? Terpenes come in at about 2.7%. I already mentioned it has some lemon and pine OG smell and flavors. Reason being is because of the profile. So surprisingly, though, on this one, the piney is not real high. I mean, it comes in at about 0.148%, just say 0.15, right? But the ones that are the main terpenes in this profile are the beta caryophyllene, beta myrcene, and your limonene, right? They come in at about 0.65, 0.54, and 0.534, respectively. And those have more of like a cinnamon, hoppy, and lemon kind of notes and taste. So this one being high in number, the total cannabinoids coming in at about 33.7%. So yeah, heavy hitter. And being that's the indica too, it's not one for the faint of heart or the um, inexperienced. Oh yeah. I decided it was about fucking time. I switched it up. Goddamn, I love the people down <laughs> at Flower, but I needed to go somewhere else. I went back to one of our other favorites and hit up some greener pastures. Mm. Got some apple tarts from them. This is coming in at right under 22% THC content. As far as the terpene profile goes, I tried to follow their QR code. It's a bad QR code. Uh, it The site it takes me to takes me to like the business links and having to sign up like as a distributor and shit uh, to be able to get in there. And I'm like, I, I ain't dealing uh, with that shit. So... No terp information, unfortunately. However, I will say that according to Leafly, apple tarts is a hybrid strain that crosses apple fritter and runts, which makes sense because I know they carry both there, or at least they have in the past. It's supposed to be a hybrid. This one's supposed to be a relaxing euphoric feeling. You get the up, you get the happy but you're relaxed. You're not fucking buzzing about it. So hopefully it goes well. I don't see how it wouldn't. It's fucking weed. No, so far so good. <laughs> no, no bad experience so far. And with that, I'd like to remind everybody to check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash fried squirms. 
lowest level you could have been listening to this last week, highest level you get access to the Discord, and that middle level, $3 a month, you get access to Patreon-only episodes where we've been doing lookbacks at our old catalog, rewatching some of these movies for the first time in years. six years, yeah. and seeing if we have anything else to say about them. And I think so far we have. At least a little bit, if not, you know... I won't say a lot, but we've we've had some interesting views on them now. Let's put it that way. Like some interesting takes as well. It's a it's a lot different seeing some of these after we've went through a hundred movies, two hundred movies, three hundred movies past them. Makes a big difference. <laughs> In some ways I feel like we've trained ourselves how to watch movies better. I would hope so at this point. So go check those out, please. Patreon.com slash fried squirms. But I think now it's time for us to get into the guts and bolts of Hagazusa. Guts and bolts. All right, guts and bolts. Who and what went into the making of this movie? Spoiler free. Set up in case you don't know what a Hagazusa is. It's a old high German word for witch. Like the temple, right? <laughs> I said that already, didn't I? Yeah, but still. Right. But still. Um, Hagazusa. Uh, spoiler-free setup for this movie. Like, a girl lives by herself out in the woods and bad shit happens? I like to say without spoiling anything. Given <laughs> that it's... <laughs> given that it's, it's... It's called witch? Right, but it's, you know, you've already said it. It's a high German word, an old high German word for witch. Set on the border of, like, Austria and Bavaria. In Germany, mm-hmm. so... 15th century Alps, yeah. period piece. She's out in the middle of nowhere, encounters some people, but nothing good happens to her. And this movie is watching just, like, nothing good happen in this girl's <laughs> life for, like, her entire life. So, that's what I got. <laughs> exactly right. Was it, it, the, the poster calls it a gothic folktale. Cool, yep. Yeah, I can't argue with that. <laughs> Go for it. All right. So I don't know what else to say that's spoiler free. So not at this point, <laughs> but we'll get into all that fun stuff here in just a little bit. So from week to week, of course, we like to talk about our cast and crew. This week, director, writer, he's also a producer on this, and this is Lucas Feigelfeld. And a few things of note outside of Hagazusa, he's known for Beton and Interference. All right. I've mentioned he's already the writer. Uh, cinematographer on this is Mario Baccaro. Uh, they're also known for Interference, the movie Fawn, and the film Honest Days. We have editor Jorg Volkmar. A few things I've known from him. He's known for the movie Tubab, love film, and I'm Totenwinkel. I don't know anything about that German film. All right, we have music composed by a Greek dark ambient duo, MMMD, right? Uh, while you... I'm going to look. Do they have shit on Spotify? Because I want to listen to these fuckers. Perhaps. More. The only thing outside of this <laughs> of note is they've done the film Embryo Larva Butterfly. All right. I mentioned that Lucas Feigelfeld is one of the producers, along with Simon Lubinsky. Production companies on this are Deutsche Film und Fernse Academy Berlin, which is DFFB and Retina Fabric. Distributed on this is Forgotten Film Entertainment for the 2018 Germany theatrical release. Our release dates on this is September 22nd, 2017 here in the States at the Fantastic Fest and across Germany May 17th, 2018. I'm not bringing up this number to like clown on them. I'm bringing it up because partially I've, it's rare that you run into an, an artist with this low of a number. 
and I'm kind of happy about that because maybe I can technically become one of their biggest fans mm. on Spotify. MMMD only has 741 monthly listeners on wow. Spotify. That's kind of low. We'll get those numbers up. We'll get those numbers up. Yeah, we'll pump it up here. <laughs> All right. Yeah, go out there, give them a subscribe and like, follow them. <laughs> All right, so moving into our cast, not a very big cast. Actually, only two people of note who have credits outside of this film that are not specifically German. We have Alexandra Sven. She plays the role of the adult Albron. All right, a few things of note from her. She was also in Interference. She was in F for Freaks and Unnatural Causes. All right, we have Selena Peter, who plays a young... Albrun. We have Claudia Martini, plays the role of Muta, or mother. We have Tanya Petrovsky, plays the role of Svinda. We have Heyman Maria Butinger, plays the role of the village priest. Now, he was in the movies Before Sunrise with Ethan Hawke. He was also in Schindler's List in the film The Captain. All right, we have Franz Stadler, plays the role of Sepp. We have Killian Albert Hauser, plays the role of the farmer. Gertie Marlin Simon, Plays the role of Baby Marta. We also have Thomas Petriu plays the role of the Doctor, and Judith Geertz plays the role of Nun. That pretty much rounds out our cast and crew. Gave us a brief setup. Should give our listeners some warnings. Okay. It's an old high German word for witch. So there's witchcraft. Ish? Ish. You can say ish, yeah. Sexual assault. Yep. A little bit of nudity. Mm Mm-hmm. Agreed mild spoiler but we have to warn no we do have to warn uh at least implications of cannibalism yes and infanticide yes if you want to put it in those terms yeah that's one of those ones like mild spoiler but you can't not say yeah and if you don't know what that means then it's probably best right now (laughs) until we get the next section then you can look it up (laughs) and just like icky creepy stuff yeah, I mean, there's some scenes that can be, uh, there's psychedelia, to put it mm-hmm. in those terms. So, you know, it could, I don't know, induce stuff, I suppose. I don't want to, I don't know what terms to put those in, but. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird, but it's not, it's also not as psychedelic as something as like a field in England. No, exactly, exactly. Or beyond the Black Rainbow, or. Yeah, I mean, or, you know, since we're kind of in this realm, maybe even Midsummer. Yeah, not yeah, not even as psychedelic as Midsummer, but it's there. No, it, it it definitely plays with it. I think we hit all the categories this film hits, oh, right? Uh, almost uh, some animal death. We should mention that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but outside of that, I think we and that's our where bases. that's also where you're going to get like the only blood and gore really in this movie for the most part. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Now we're done, right? I think so. I think so. <laughs> all right. I guess with that. Let's find out how Hagazusa made us squeal. How does that make you squeal? All right, Hagazusa. I can't remember. Have you seen this one before? I had. That's right. I had seen it once prior. Okay. I wanted to make sure I had that right. I knew that friend of the show, Donnie, had seen it before. And in fact, I had asked him about it this week. But his review was, oh, man, that's a bleak movie. Actually, he told a little... I can't remember who he said he did this to, but uh, I'll I'll tell a little secondhand story really quick because one of the cats that he worked with on his side of the store at one point come up to him and, like, was something about, like, yeah, man, like, I really dig the witch. Like, I know you're into horror and shit. Like, do you know any more, like, folk horrors like that? And Donnie was like, 
hands him off fucking Hagazusa. <laughs> and he's like, take all the time you need with that, man. Like, have fun. Yeah. Because his short review of it is like, yeah, I watched it once and like, it's a good movie, but it's bleak and I don't necessarily need to watch it again. Like, don't mind having it in my collection, but whatever, dude can hold on to it for as long as he <laughs> likes because I'm also not going to be putting it in anytime soon. And apparently dude came back and just like, yeah, man, that that was a movie, all right. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's well, that's okay. You know, we've talked about this before too. And the beauty, I think, of any genre is the fact that they have like sub genres within their umbrella, you know, to use that kind of analogy or term. And like I said, it's not going to be for everybody. Not every film underneath a sub genre is going to hit the mark for people too, you know? That's just the right. way it goes. I mean, films in general, art in general, you know, just the way it goes. And that's okay, man. My impression initially was a little bit different, probably. Like, yeah, it's bleak, but this one would like, I was like, this is kind of a unique take because of the certain rash of films we had done prior. Mm-hmm. And it kind of made me think of those terms, not just on the supernatural part of it, but more on like some of the underlying social themes and, and stuff that was going on around that time period. Think about that stuff more so than just you know the spooky shit <laughs> right yeah so i watched for the first time last night and i guess my initial take on it was it's either dense and i'm not quite getting it yet or it's very much style over substance and after watching it again today there's a lot of style there i think there's something to it yeah but I almost feel like I need like a month with this movie to fully like truly parse it out. Gotcha. Which almost made me feel dumb. Cause I had just been to, like, I would just been re listening to us going over our last block of like thinky horror. And I'm like, man, I, I feel like I was nailing some of these movies. Why is this one making me feel dumb? Uh, but let's, well, let's see what happens, man. Yeah. You know, sometimes as we talk about these films out loud, sometimes those ideas and thoughts start to connect. It just, it happens sometimes it's happened to me several times and it's not like i'm not picking up on anything in this right, movie right. but at the same time it's like it's not raw where it's you know a woman coming to age and finding herself in college expressed right. through cannibalism <laughs> yeah and it's not it's the german version of the witch but it's not as clear-cut as the witch is yeah. which is kind of weird to say because that's also not ex- an extremely clear-cut movie, but no, it's, it's uh, a hundred times more clear-cut than this one is. Yeah. Well, I mean, we can try. We can try. Mm-hmm. I, I think that the thing that helped me, and not that it was like, I don't know, anything that was profound. It just gave me a little bit better insight into what the director himself had to say about certain scenes, what they meant to him in terms of the film, et cetera, et cetera. So, I don't know, maybe some of that insight will help maybe clear up some things. Who knows? We'll see. I do know, like, the second time around, the thing that I feel like you need to remember to make parts of this movie make sense is that Albrun is, at some point in this movie, I'm not sure when the change occurs, uh, she's definitely an unreliable narrator. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. 100%. Not that she's physically narrating the story no, no, at no, all, no, but no. it is 100% from her peer of view. Her, yeah, her Without experience. A, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's not like told from her eyes, but you know what I'm saying. It, mm-hmm. She's the focus. So yes, you can't rely necessarily on what she's experiencing 
in certain moments. Which makes the movie make more sense, but it's also like, okay, well, <laughs> when does the change occur? Gotcha. What's real and what's not? Gotcha. Well, let's try to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. All right. So first time watching this, trying to think of back when it was a couple years ago and without like having to go through my whole life experience, you know, dear diary, all that shit is I was like, man, yeah, this is bleak, but visually it's telling a story and it, it made me feel a little bit like a nightingale and maybe even uh, an incident in Ghostland where it's like, yeah, they're bleak, but they're also very humanizing too. They're not like pandering you know what I mean? They're not like making you feel like, oh, she's, there's there's going to be a lesson learned and, you know, she comes out of this and people are going to embrace her and all this other shit. It, you know, sometimes we need a bit of, of, in a sense, a harsh reality, you know. And in the case of this particular character that we're following, you know, Albrin, I'll look at it like this, right? The time period it's set in, it's, you know, veiled against the time period of witch trials and right on the preset of certain ones and things of that nature, right? And you also throw in the fact that there was bubonic plagues happening and things of that nature as well. So it gives us a little bit more historical context and a little bit more to work with within the confines of the film, in my opinion. You know, for instance, you know, her mother, we don't know exactly why the father's not there. I think there's a bit of dialogue later on in the film that maybe explains it a little bit better. But that's still it's still implied and mm -hmm. at best it's assuming mm -hmm. you know so you can't really say yeah that's exactly what I, but and i was like no nah, maybe maybe there's a little bit of sprinkle of truth in that somewhere you know that beside the point right you're a single mother you know had a child out of wedlock it's pretty mm -hmm. apparent and you live in a very religious time where people are frowned upon and socially outcast and that kind of stuff, you know? Why you think she lives out in the woods in a cabin and all this other stuff. And then, then you have all that implication on top of it with all, like the old pagan worshiping of deities and gods and stuff that gets perverted and turned into like boogeymen in a way, you know? Right. Which is interesting because one of the opening dialogues that is in this film is on the road. And the old guy's telling them, you know, there's going to be Pekta, so that so was one of the night. bits that I was like, oh shit, I actually know some of this. Yeah. Um, grew up Catholic, so I knew Twelfth Night is yeah. Epiphany. And been interested in the Krampus for a long time. And when I heard Perkta, cool. I'm like, why do I know this? And then at the end, uh, or not the end, kind of the end of that segment when the men show up dressed outside and yell that, you know, you should all be burned for being witches and shit. I was like, Perkta. Oh, those are the Perkton. Oh, yeah, they kind of look like Krampus. I, if you look up Krampus, yeah. like they, there's an entire section about the Perkton on, on the Wikipedia page. And I was like, oh, yeah, I've read about this before. Read about it a bit more? That all gets really interesting because most likely Perkta was pagan in origin, but has been so conflated with the Epiphany that even the German word for the epiphany seems to be related to her name. And there are scholars, multiple scholars throughout time, that seem to think that Perkta wasn't actually pagan at all and was just, as the people of that region became acclimatized to Christianity and trying 
to get rid of pagan ways, yeah. uh, personified the epiphany through the being That's of Perikdom. Really wild, isn't it? I read, too, this is kind of interesting as well. This kind of delves right back into all of that as well. It's just kind of in addition to, uh, in the area that this film takes place, in Austria, Bavaria, you know, it's on the border of Germany and Austria, is that Perikta, you already mentioned, uh, she was considered the witch of the Twelfth Night, and she would either reward or punish you know, those that were naughty or nice. Mm-hmm. And in one of those tales, it's like, if you're naughty, she pretty much disembowel you. Yeah. You know, so she kept a knife with her and, you know, gave her all these contorted features and what have you. But if you go back to the old Germanic and even Celtic, you know, pagan god worship, her name was conflated because at that time it was actually Berkta, which also means bright. Mm-hmm. Bertha, her, you know, stuff like that. And she actually was the goddess who protect women, children, and babies, things like that. Uh, she was associated with birch trees. Their old name is Berka, which means bright. Probably not a coincidence that birch trees are in this film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> things like that. Uh, but she was also the protector of forest and wildlife, and they considered her a psychopomp, which is a guide in the afterlife, you know, it guides the people who are dead in the afterlife. So she was considered that as well. So because of Christianity being spread in this region around the 6th century, they were pushing pagan worship out and like said, perverting old deities. Like I said, there you go. So you get perked out of this. But it also makes sense too with, you know, Catholicism as well. So here's the other interesting bit that ties into... A couple things, arguably, <laughs> in this movie. Perkta is considered to be basically the same goddess as Holda. Mm. It's just regional. No, it makes like, sense. The northern regions had Holda, and in the southern regions, that same goddess became Perkta. Yeah, because even in this, not to, not to interrupt, but to, to add to that, as you can see it here on the Wikipedia, because it's like, oh, they even had the known as Bifana, which is in northern Italy. Mm-hmm. But it starts it started to straddle, you know, Switzerland, Austria, Germany. So yeah, it makes sense that there would be a regional thing probably for them as well. And the the biggest evidence for it most likely being originally pagan in origin. Once again, not actually you know, people aren't right. I mean stuff sure. Exactly. Um, but the this. biggest evidence is that there are so many similar versions of basically the same goddess through the entire region. Right. And so it does have a source and probably through time, through, you know, the mingling of people and religions mm-hmm. and what have you, like it's all that stuff is like, becomes like a telephone tag after a bit. But Holda in the Northern regions was sometimes conflated with the Virgin Mary. Mm. And so we also have two <laughs> potentially virgin births that happened in this movie. Yeah, and which is interesting because I think there is symbolism for birth, death, all that, this cycle of all of that stuff in this film. And you can view it that way. So what I find interesting, the way he talked about is the opening sequence and just in terms of the film itself, not necessarily what it means in the film, it's just... So that's the only shot of a crane, like a crane shot he used. So it was tough because, you know, it was snowing, things of that nature too. And the setting of where they're sledding in the beginning, he's like, that's actually 
his cousin is the girl who plays a young Aldrin, and that's like in her backyard. Mm-hmm. And he talks about the fact you know he grew up in well, not grown up, but having family that lived in Austria, and he would slide up and or slide up and down that hill. So it's kind of neat little touch there, but it already gives you a glimpse too of how people are viewing Aldrin and her mother already. Yeah. Also, just interesting note, like in this time period, it's also just weird to be living off by yourself. Yeah. Which is part of why they're just being accused of witches because they're just choosing to live by themselves. It's not actually shown for sure whether her mom was ever a witch or not. Well, that's just it. It's animated later in the movie. Right. Well, that's part I think I like about this film too is there's a lot of implied things, but nothing as concrete as there's. A lot of ambiguity, like I said, because it's coming from both angles in a sense if you're viewing it like, all right, if you're viewing it, say, from a religious point of view, right? Mm-hmm. I probably witches out the woods doing witch shit. But if you're viewing it from a heathen or, you know, other, then it's like, no. Like I said, there's just people out on the outskirts of town who are doing their own thing, and they don't necessarily want to be a part of what you guys are doing and that mm-hmm. whole shit, you know? Let us be. Yeah, but just going off and living by yourself, kind of weird because it's well, so unsafe. Especially back then, too. Yeah, exactly. And especially for a woman to be living by herself uh, off in the middle of the woods. Precisely. So it's going to conjure certain ideas and images and superstitions and things of that nature. And I'm not victim blaming here, but. No, 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 no. But her mom did kind of bring it on themselves? Uh, in, a, in a sense. In a sense. You know, it's like, well. We don't know their entire backstory. Like, mm-hmm. you know, who was the father? A, what happened after B, you know, was she ar- already ostracized from the community? I don't know. Who were their parents? You know, you can keep going back and back and back. But that kind of, I think it kind of takes away from the point of what we're trying to accomplish within the, the film itself. Because mm-hmm. like, what, nothing wrong with going off on those tangents. But, <laughs> but I think just within the confines of the film, the way I view it is once... I was like, oh, she gets checked on because she's ill. You find out she has boils and shit. And I'm thinking, all right, what time period are we in? 1600s? Okay, what was going on? There was a plague. I oh, even yeah. looked Immediately, at it. I'm like, oh, those are boobos. Yeah, and I was like, all right, let me take a look just for shits and giggles. Cause those sorry. are boobies, and that's boobos. Yeah, those are boobos. Those aren't supposed to be there. <laughs> so I was like, all right, let me take a look. So, yeah, there was a Bavarian plague that hit one of the German towns in Bavaria pretty hard. I was like, okay, well, that adding up you know there's some historical context there so i'll take that but then that started making me think all right well medicine during that time period is not what it is right now and so they're gonna probably misdiagnose mistreat you know just let people like oh they're just gonna have to die let this one ride let it ride out you know sorry so it made me think okay if that's the case and the mom's trying to hold it together for a lot of different reasons socially she's got a daughter who's gonna have to either be taken in by the church or have it really rough living out here, you know, and then she's starting to hallucinate and she becomes very primal. And then that's when weird shit starts to happen. Oof. Uh, Yeah. She gets real weird real fast. As soon as mom gets sick. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, and something I did like about it and thinking about it in terms of, all right, well, you know, with Germans, they like kind of like the Grimm brothers and like folk tales and, and that kind of stuff. And it gets grim. Mm-hmm. 
you know. So it's to be expected that this is going to be a little bit nightmarish, you know, because a girl's waking up in the middle of the night. It, you know, you can put quotations around this, but the witching hour, perhaps. Mm-hmm. You know, and her mom's kind of inviting her, but she's fucking sick and ill, and it's kind of like that's already creepy. <laughs> you know, kind of make me think of Pet Cemetery with Zelda. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I was thinking of that shit. It's like that's already fucked. But then she's like starts to sniff on her, and you know the girl. She was trying to hide that she just started her period. She's menstruating now. Mm-hmm. You know, she's becoming a woman, and that's where that primal, like instinctual, not necessarily a threat, but she knows that her daughter's going through this change, and it's kind of like a reactionary thing. And I was like, man, that's so fucking. That's got to be so unsettling and just weird because she's also kind of getting molested. Yeah, that's a. Mm. We we can that happens. Yeah, I'm not saying it's it's right because it's not, but it happened, and you know. And but this paying, is a film. If you're okay. paying a lot of attention to the details, it gets kind of squicky. Yeah, it does. Because then there's like um, there's blood involved, and there's smearing of blood, and then there's freaking out and running off in the woods, <laughs> and a little bit of let me smell my fingers. Yo, um, yes, <laughs> not that you should, but you can. But yeah, yeah, freak out, run out in the woods. Right. And then, you know, the girl eventually finds her mom. Now, this is where the director, and I think this is the clever part about it too, because it's it's kind of framed in a way where you see the footprints in the beginning of the film and you you know, it's like, yeah, you kinda of have an idea, but not necessarily mm-hmm. if that's what you think it is. But the way I look at it, okay, it's this is set in the winter, and winter is usually associated with like death in a sense, you know, not always, but it's cold. It's, you know, it's like, it's a struggle, you know? I mean, yeah, not just the winter. Like we happen to know this is 12th night or so they got home on 12th night. Presumably she fell sick and it's like a day or two later. Mm -hmm. So this is going to be what, like probably somewhere between January 8th and January 10th. Exactly. So somewhere in the early (laughs) months, yeah. Early days of January. It's still cold as fuck. And I like how he frames the landscape to give you that idea of isolationism, you know, in those mountains and the vastness of it too, you know, especially during that time period, there's not a lot of development going on <laughs> back then on that land. So it even adds to more of the, uh, like not, not just the isolationism, but maybe even the creep factor, like what the hell are in those woods? Here's the other thing adding to the creep factor. Uh, I kind of hinted at it a couple times with what I've already said. Like, I appreciate this movie's beautifully shot. There's a ton of scenery porn. Things are framed really well. Like, we've watched a lot of these kinds of movies. This is yeah, fucking, for sure. This is beautifully done across the board from the realistic stuff to the more surreal stuff. I don't want to take away from that. Oh, no, you're good. But the soundtrack does a lot of heavy lifting in this movie. It does. It does. I mean, no, the no sound point. design in Sets general the, to does a ton of heavy lifting in this movie. I feel like it kind of has to because of the minimalistic dialogue that we get. I mean, there's not that there isn't dialogue, but a lot of you're just kind of following the path of Albrun, you know? And yeah, she has interactions here and there, but she's also like going about her day with her baby and having to raise her goats and shit. And, you know, it's a struggle. So yeah, the the score it sets the mood and it gives you a little bit more I think something contextual, you know, that mm-hmm. you can play with like it gives you a better idea of maybe emotionally, maybe even like mentally what's going on with the character. The score is extremely 
on point for whatever's going on in the scene, mm-hmm. but it's not so on point that the score is a spoiler. If no, that makes sense. I, I agree with that too. Um, it's rare that I run into it, but I've definitely ran into a couple horror movies in the past where due to the way the score was used, I could almost <laughs> use the score to count down to when things were going to happen. Yeah. It's kind of a, this isn't that, but it's no. on point for what's happening in the scene. And, and I do like that too. Like they did a really good job. That group with this film. I, I agree with that. The sound design is really good with this. So I don't know. I don't know how like, I don't have to get philosophical with this film because it is not really necessary, but the thing that I really got out of this and, and to really summarize it, I suppose without like saying this is my final take, but I feel like it's trauma passed on down like the line, like lineage, you know, this woman is living in the shadow. Like the first fucking title thing is called shadow. And I'm like, all right, she's living in the shadow of her mom. Also in the shadow of society, you know, in the shadows as well. Mm-hmm. You know, this is like a lot of metaphors for her life in general, you know? So she's following in some, you know, some tough terrain. If she's following in her mother's footsteps, right. Which she kind of does. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So it feels like, all right, this is like almost a curse, if you want to, you know, use it in those terms, hand it down to her. Now she's having to live it out, and it's very real, and it's not something that you're viewing now as a child. It's like you're actually living it. And now she probably has a little bit better understanding of what her mother was going through without actually, you know, experiencing the same things. Now, with you saying it like that, it kind of clicks a little bit in my head more that, in some respects, this movie is kind of like when we talked about Carrie, in that the mother's actions kind of fucked Carrie from the jump. Precisely. I almost feel like it made me think, I wish I would have said this last week, but it's okay because it fits the bill for this week too. It's in a way like the sins of the father, or in this case, the sins of the mother, it's being handed down. It's like the kid had nothing to do with it, but they're... A, a victim of circumstance. Yeah, she's she's ostracized because of her mother's actions before her, and then because of the example set by her mother with no one else to turn to, she falls into the same <laughs> patterns. Right. It's almost formulaic in a way, in, in a very tragic sense. And you know what? Kind of like an old folktale, part of the bleakness, I feel like, is kind of just because it's kind of like a a morality play slash cautionary tale. Yeah. When later in the roughly the third act, when she becomes a witch. Yeah, you could say that. We can say that. And turns to potentially supernatural means to get back at the people that wronged her. Mm -hmm. Then... We don't just see her triumph through that. We see the aftermath where, like, every action has a reaction. Everything has a cost. Without a doubt. And the cost is you cross the line. Now you're a witch. Now this is what you have to do. This is who you are. And when she realizes that, she freaks out, which leads to the ending. Yeah. And I think that's a good way of looking at it. It's like, all right. To me, it shouldn't be like too, I don't know, clandestine. Like it's, it's not hidden or shrouded is what I'm getting at. To me, her breaking point in this film, if she has a breaking point, is when the woman 
Swinda. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Like, it looks like she's trying to befriend her, but I think symbolically, if you look at the apple, as like okay, more of a for, biblical thing. From a biblical thing, because once again, um, Perikta ties in. Right. We have to keep bringing up Perikta because I mean, you it's have mentioned to. in the movie. And just because of the regionality of this and stuff. Obviously super tied into Christianity, yeah, as I mean, we've already brought up a lot of times. Be. Just as a movie trope, I had to write down the apple because assholes are given apples. Yeah, it's like... A- assholes in movies eat apples all the time. So, I mean, like I said, it's symbolic in a, a number of different ways, and it's clever as well. I and mean, it's like, it's kind of on the nose in a way, you know, it's, it's kind of like, well, if you don't know, but if you do know, this should help. Yeah. You know, so I was like, all right, you have that. And that, in a way, it's to me, it was almost like very precautionary. It's like, she's not a friend. She's No, she's a deceiver. Yes, absolutely. So, as far as Swinda happens in this movie, and everything surrounding her, especially after the second time, mm-hmm. I think that's all... Dumbed down memories, if that makes sense. I could see that. Like, what probably it, happened Swinda to her? doesn't do that to her now. No, no, no. That's something that happened when, she, you know, after her mother died, when she was growing up, at some point she tried to befriend, befriend somebody in the village. Mm-hmm. And... As a result. As a result, she ended up with a baby. Yeah. Because I mean, that, bullshit that lady, happened, and they carried lady, her, but worse. Yeah. And it's like that lady, Swinda, she spells it out. You know, she's like, those, you know, don't live in, in God's light or whatever. She's, however she paraphrases it. She's like, you know, it's, it's the Jews and the heathens, mm-hmm. you know, and that kind of stuff. So she's already let you know, like, ugh. And also the fact, too, is like, yeah, there was probably some guys that came through, did some raping, and as a result, you have a child couple months later yeah and it's like well that's looks like it's not i mean like i said you can't say definitively but more than likely something of that sort happened and like you were saying whether or not that's what really happened when we see it happen to her with those two characters it's probably more like i said a memory or an exaggeration of what happened or what have you you know Mm -hmm. and i thought it was interesting timing too because the scenes prior to that She's starting to have, you know, urges, to put it mildly. You know what I mean? She, yeah. You know, to put it really mildly. And it makes sense because it's, she's around motherhood with the goats. She's milking and she's getting milk on herself. And it's all a part of that motherhood. So she's probably feeling that inclination. Like she's getting a baby fever, if you want to put it in those terms. Because it's also in the spring. Here's like, it's also a movie about a woman possibly or possibly not turning into a witch. And she's getting herself off milking goats and has a <laughs> uh, unexplained birth. Right, right, yeah. It's exactly. Like, no, I get it. Kid? I get it. That's that's kind of neat too. It's it's a really clever play, like you said, because if you're looking at it from the other side of the aisle, right, is like a very stern, religious, devout person. You go like, this person's probably in bed with Satan. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, well, in that case, yeah, you're not wrong. You know, but just from my point of view, <laughs> as an audience member, I'm like, no, 
something else happened. I don't see it that way. But if it did, cool. If it doesn't, that's okay too. I'm looking at it more. I think the point is that it's opened up. Exactly, exactly. That exactly. I think that's more more in line with what's happening. So what I'm getting at is is um. To me, it, it, that was the breaking moment. I, I feel like once she started having those inclinations, and then because of that, you know, A, she's either recalling a rape, the rape happened, what, whatever, however you want to view it. Or one happens now, but she's, but it's framed in a way where you can also interpret it as like, this is kind of just what's been happening to her. Yeah, that is, uh, I hate to say it like this, but probably a normal, in a way, a normal thing in certain areas where you got, Either soldiers if you're passing off through, in or the middle of the fucking woods by yourself, and saying. you know that fuckers are rolling through due to the opening scene. Yeah, that's what I'm just saying. It's like not victim blaming once again. It's just like it's it's a part of that reality back then. Like people were doing some fucked up shit. I mean, people do fucked up shit now. It's not like it's a new thing. It's not an old thing either. It's been going on for a while. Mm-hmm. You know. What I mean? Point being though is like, okay, that gives you a little bit more insight, and then. Because of that, because she probably felt slighted, wronged, you know, those kids even calling her a witch and shit in town. She's just wanting to, you know, sell her milk, her goat's milk, and try to make a decent living so that way she doesn't fucking, you know, live like a destitute out of the woods. But because she's been slighted and all this other shit, she, like, takes her revenge. Yeah. She menstruates in the in the water and looks like it leads to a plague. A in there. <laughs> yeah. Which, once again, is another way... Where well, the rat, can, too, you know, that's kind of... Yeah. That's the thing, you can... That's one of those scenes where it purposely muddies the water, where it can be either way. Yes. She obviously is wishing ill intent upon the town. She is cursing the town <laughs> yes. by menstruating into their drinking water. But it's also a time of plague, and she throws a dead rat into the water. So, it could be supernatural... Yes. It could be natural. No, I like that. That's why it, this film has enough ambiguity in it to where it could be either. It could be either way. It, it, however you want to, to interpret it, that's it, absolutely fine. I like that. So you have that. Like you said, you, you have her doing that. And then it's not too many scenes after that, if at all, where she goes out and then she starts seeing those dead bodies being collected. Mm-hmm. And then she goes into the woods because... Like you were saying, I feel too, like, yeah, she's already crossed the line now because of what we've already seen. And because she's crossed this line, this she set herself tale. up to be there's a witch. Not, there's not redemption most of the time in folk tales. They tend to be cautionary tales. And yeah. this is a folk tale. It really is. So she set herself up to be the villain now. Mm-hmm. She is, lit- I mean, when I say literally, I mean worse, the definition. But she's a, she's a villain. Right. Yeah, exactly. Now she is definitely what they say she is. In their their terms, you know. Uh, not that she's really a witch, but was she wronged first? Yes. Yes, absolutely. But you know, that's part of that's part of the villain story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. So once you started getting back into, uh, well, the director said this, so I'm going to give you a little bit more insight. The director was saying, okay, when he shot that scene with her in the woods and she's, you know, eating the mushroom, he said he looked at the woods in general is it like a Wait. decomposition also another scene that they didn't have to make as sexual as they did <laughs> yeah well that's a part of it he's like you know like, you have this little mushroom tip yeah he's like you have this decomposition with maggots and you know this moisture and stuff but then also like you said all this stuff is very sexualized in a way in a manner 
because there is a part of like a birth and death cycle in this film that's happening simultaneously. But yeah, once she starts to eat it, and he said that's probably her first time experiencing, you know, psychedelic mushrooms. And he said this, he's like in that area where he filmed and where he grew up, he's like, that shit's common in the woods. He's like they're all over the place. <laughs> just, just go eat a mushroom. You know, he's like, when you watch it, and I thought this was really cool too, because if you're paying attention, you can see the effects that they were using. You know, and he's like, you know, she's carrying the baby and you see where there's a fallen tree and the trunk looks like it's trying to reach out to her. So she's covering the baby, blah, blah, blah. And it's not until she gets to the pond where that to me is probably the arguably, let's put it this way, arguably the most important scene in the film. Arguably. Trying to, so it's, it's an extremely important scene uh, overall in the film. And I'm trying to, so the basics of what happens is she walks into the water Goes under for a bit, presumably based on what's shown later, but we'll get into this, drowns her baby. Kind of not in, not like she holds her baby underwater, just like through her own actions and being in a fucking drug trip isn't paying attention. Right. And drowns the baby and comes back out of it and ends up, you know, back at home, right? At the end of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the basics of what happens. This is one of the trippiest sequences in the movie, though. Yeah, and I, this is the one that I thought it was really neat because before listening to what he had to say, the director, I was thinking about what it meant visually. Like, what is he trying to say visually in this sequence, right? It's not just a drug-induced psychedelic vision. Part of it, it is. Mm-hmm. But it's more symbolic than that. And the well, way... It's kind of a circle of life thing, right? Right. And I was like, okay, well, think about this, right? We see in the beginning of the film where she finds her mom is in like a pond, murky water, you know, all that shit. She's back in that kind of environment. Her baby's name is Martha, you know. Named for her grandmother. Yeah, so it's like the return to that death spot, if you will. But there's also life springing forth as well because... We see like the red and it's symbolizing blood and almost it, it made me think of a womb the way it was pulsating and well I was going to say it kind of what it looked like to me what the surreal vision goes through is you sink into the water with her and you start to see some of the shit and you have like the algae and the different shit as you're going into the water being as you brought up a couple times kind of like kind of a scene of decomposition yeah, like yeah. things are being broke down obviously algae's alive but we and moss and stuff but like we tend to think of like those kinds of scenes as like scenes of death right, right absolutely it's, once again it is decomposition what they are doing is. is breaking down other <laughs> it it's both those it things really might is. be alive but they are breaking down other living things in order to do so correct yeah. and then you go into the water with her and you start to see like roots down there and then the blood sort of comes down and starts swirling around the roots. And as the, the vision progresses, it becomes less roots and becomes a circulatory system. And the blood sort of seems to start to harden and it becomes tissue and flesh around it. Yeah, and I thought that was a really interesting use of that because it is. I think it's very symbolic. Like I said, it's death it's life and it's also in a way her rebirth coming out of that a different person altogether 
she did an unthinkable act in a way. I mean, whether it was like conscious, subconscious, just purely accidental because she's fucking tripping balls. So now that's one of the parts I want to bring up for sure, because especially upon rewatch and then doing a little bit of uh, just searching around online, both my read and the most common read seems to be that that baby didn't die in the pond. It had been dead for a bit by the time she got there. That wouldn't surprise me at all either. And then that would explain why there's sections of this movie where she just her baby at home for hours mm-hmm. at a time well that's just it it's like yeah there i think there's enough ambiguity in that as well because there is time lapses in this film well, so look, when yeah, she gets, there's time lapses when she gets raped yeah there's a swind at one point comments on the baby um and how beautiful it looks but she's always kind of weird about it which could indicate that she's not seeing the same thing that we're seeing. Yeah, yeah. that's a good point, man. And I, I see, I like all that stuff too, because with different eyes, there's different interpretations and there's different ways of looking at this film. But I want to say ultimately, you know, and this doesn't distract from everybody else's interpretation because it's all valid. You know, I feel more like she's, she's just living this fucked up time period. And like, she's just, I said having to suffer this very harsh lifestyle because of, like I said, the, the sins of her mother and those who set before her, and she has no other outlet. And in, especially if you're not one to submit, you know, to a church or anything like that, because a she's already been ostracized from birth as is, so it's gonna be hard to be in in line with that already. People are gonna look at you different, regardless. You know, you already. You're already kind of destitute in a way, mm-hmm. you know. So it's a fucked up situation, regardless. So, um, yeah, it's just dark. It's um, it's a German tragic tale, I guess. Like it's not Greek, but it's it's definitely fucked up. And because of the psychedelic trip that she's on, right? She's she doesn't. She's apparently never had this one, let alone this one it's so intense. And then, if you've ever had an experience where you're not prepared and you're always in your head or you tend to be in your head a lot Mm -hmm. and you got a lot of personal shit going on or trauma, it's going to exacerbate itself and exaggerate itself in the forms of delusions and hallucinations. And that's what she's experiencing when she gets back in that cabin. And then, you know, she sees her baby for what it is. She has that harsh reality. And then because of what we said, whether she does it or not, you can argue, but I think she does. Right. And that's the thing. Like, I kind of think she didn't kill the baby in the pond. Like, I, I kind of go, like I said, I, I think I it's more symbolic. Along with that read I think that it's, it's more, more symbolic. symbolic. Yeah. Doesn't mean she didn't kill the baby. Right. Either on purpose or on accident. We don't know for certain. I don't think there's enough clarity there, but regardless, yeah. Especially if the baby came about for the reasons why, like, we both kind of feel it probably did. Just as a sacrifice in a way. And she hasn't, she hasn't been able to deal with those emotions or that reality. Like, she had a mental break when that happened, and the drug trip forces it all back onto her. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that harsh reality. Like, nah, this is the reality you're in. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, this is who you are. This is almost like a birthright in a way, too, you know? You know, or, <laughs> or it's like 
she kind of broke a cycle. She didn't want to put that experience or that trauma back under her daughter. So she ended that. Not that she had to be the arbiter of that, but she did it. Mm-hmm. You know, and then the stark reality now is like, well, I can either live out my days as a witch in the woods or succumb to this symbolic thing like I sacrificed my daughter and now I'm going to make an ultimate sacrifice and find my peace in this somehow. Like, I've ended this trauma in a way. Like, it's going to die with me, all that trauma. Right. And once again, like I said, folk tales are kind of tend to be morality plays. The losing of the daughter is also kind of framed in this movie, like I said, as her cost for getting her way with her magic earlier. Yeah. Right? It's yeah. kind of like she she used magic to take lives. Right. So that costs a life. No, and I like that too. Because yeah, it's not just something that's you know <laughs> it, it comes with a con it comes with consequences, things like that. Yeah, there's a there's a price to pay and the ultimate price for her was she had to sacrifice her baby. She knew the cost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's why I like that, because this is a folktale, and if you want to look at it from the supernatural, it's like, yeah, this is, this is all the makings of a, a witch film. It has all, all the elements that you want in it. She has a cauldron. She's eating dead babies and stuff. Um, <laughs> you know, what more do you want? But then I'm also looking at, like, man, because of the society and thing that she's living in, like she, she didn't really have a, a chance to start with. No. Even from the beginning of the film. And then, of course, when she freaks out, she runs to the mountaintop where heathens can't go and spontaneously combusts. Exactly. And I was thinking this. I could be off, and this is just my own interpretation of it. It's like, I was thinking that in the sense, like, you know, maybe not in terms of vampires, but more in terms of, like, this is not a place I should be, like, I'm, I shouldn't be in the sunlight, bathing in the sunlight, right? So I'm... And it's not just the sunlight. It's like the morning rays, right? All of that. It's this cleansing, the day starting anew. Absolutely. Ooh. Ooh, since you said that. The night's over. Ooh, since you said that, I think this is a little bit more pertinent. It's not only pertinent, but I think it it kind of surmises or like kind of ties it all together um, with what you were saying with the cleansing, right? So yeah, she's cleansing whatever, this cycle, her, her shit, et cetera, et cetera. But that... Friar or who the fuck he was who had the meeting with her mm-hmm. called her in and he oh, talked by the way, about that ossuary was dope it was that was really dope so he tells her that there has to be a cleansing of the town and he's he's pretty much telling her like we need you get either you know get your shit together or get the fuck out of here <laughs> you know because you're not wanted essentially but yeah well and he's like Take your fucking dead mom with you too. yourself leads to temptation. Yes. And it makes people touch the darkness. Mm -hmm. Stuff like darkness is. And all that shit. You know, and he doesn't need that. They don't need that in their town. And because of that, the plague and stuff like that too, it's like, we need to keep that stuff as far away. And I mean, I get that in terms of the superstitious belief, but in her reality, it's like, you're just making it worse for me by, by, just me existing, basically. I'm yeah. I'm just trying to be a fucking lonely goat herd. I know. Right? <laughs> Leave me alone, man. Fuck. I know. I was like, I just want to yodel out here and milk some goats. Damn. Leave me alone. But when you were saying the cleansing, and he he mentions that too, the whole cleansing thing. I was like, well, she kind of does. She cleanses the town, and this. I want to say obtuse. It's her way of like getting back. You know, like instead of 
them cleansing her of the village. It's like, no, nah, she's going to purge everybody in that village, and just it's going to be me mm-hmm. now. But because of that, like I said, she's also she's taking on this new form. She's becoming a witch. I appreciate that this movie kind of ends up being Christianity versus the heathens versus the paganism. Yeah, yeah. But it doesn't, even though arguably Christianity wins at the end due to her self-purifying. Yeah, yeah. And it kind of being a morality tale of like, don't turn to evil forces if only because they, you know, come back on you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, even if that wasn't black magic, like it's going to come back around and fucking bite you. Oh in the ass. yeah, it's like it, the cost is so heavy; you'll never be able to, to carry it. But none of the Christian characters are portrayed as being good. No, exactly. It's like nobody. It's, they're really, all shit people. Just, it's just that, like, there's a supernatural background behind it all. And like certain rules are in place. That's just it. It's like it shows you what certain thoughts and you know, like beliefs, if you will, and all this other stuff, what it can do, what it really can do to, to communities of people and, and how we can ostracize each other is based on these silly little things. Like, it's like, I get it to a degree, but it's like not at the cost it has on the rest of our society, if you will. Yeah, definitely the way they treated her reminded me of a phrase that, especially online, you see get tossed around a lot thanks to our political climate and some of the yeah. uh, uh, different decisions being made especially with trying to pass certain laws against certain people. There's no hate like Christian love. Oh, gosh, yeah, man, that's (laughs) very telling, you know, of that kind of love, if you will. But this movie is kind of that, right? Yeah, exactly. Ain't nothing like a good cleansing. (laughs) (laughs) So what I also find very interesting, and this isn't a secret, is that this was his film school graduation project. Oh. He passed, right? I would hope. <laughs> with flying colors? Yeah. Right? Always, like, uh, people talk really highly of this fucking movie. Yeah, so. it was partially funded with crowdsourcing or crowdfunding that's wild. donations. So fucking that's really cool. for that. Yeah, and I was like, you know, for a project film, if you want to call it, you know, I mean, that's what they call it. It's like, that's not bad, man. Like, visually, it's, is it the best film you ever go see? No, of course not. But because, you know, I happen to be a fan of this subgenre with folk horror and stuff like that, I was like, this is a really interesting entry into this subgenre, you know, because it's, yes, it is following a certain formula, but it's done more in a regional manner, you mm-hmm. know, and I, I like that because it, it makes it, I don't know, it gives it something that's different to the genre too. I mean, like, it's, like, it's not, not nothing that's going to blow your socks off or anything too, but it's like, God, you know, it, <laughs> I don't know. It, it's just, for me. It's just a, 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 kind of an interesting take on it. Is what I'm trying to say. I guess you know. Oh shit! There was something else I was going to say. No, yeah, it's like stone it. thoughts a little bit. The potentially dead baby. I do want to just because I'm not quite sure. Like when the switch happens, yeah. I do feel like the pond is more metaphorical than anything. The different ideas I saw people throwing around online were that it's already dead, which is the reason why it won't suckle. And mm-hmm. so the ba- baby's dead that early in the movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've seen people throw out the idea that maybe it wasn't the goat that got killed. Oof. Yeah. I could see that. And I've also just seen a lot of people throw out that, like, maybe it was a very, very early death, possibly even just from, like, malnourishment or something. Like, nothing that. Yeah. Nothing too heinous. 
just right, like just, something guilty that she she felt guilty for and yeah. wasn't able to emotionally process at the time uh, <sighs> because of how small the fake dead baby that they show us is in, in comparison to the live baby that we had seen up to that point. That's a solid point. I find all of that really interesting too because there's even bits too where she's starting to hear her mom, things of the nature. So there's a part of me, it's like it's starting to point a little bit also towards, you know, mental illness and shit like that, you know? Like, yeah, this girl suffered from this major trauma of witnessing her. I mean, she didn't see her mom die, but she saw the aftermath and is mm -hmm. a fucked up way of finding your, your mom, you know? So you have to suffer that indignity in a way. And it, yeah, yeah, it's traumatizing because, you know, of all the things associated, you know, like how the townspeople already view her. And now you find your parent like that, and now you have to live with all of the stuff that comes out of that. So, yeah, you're going to be a little fucked up. So, obviously, they end up in different places, and this was one of the things I saw online that I'm not sure as I'm on board for, but I wanted to bring it up because it's no, a really interesting right. thought, especially with the supernatural aspect and the fact that they might be witches and they might be doing magic. Somebody posited the idea that in the beginning her mom freaking out and running out the door is her mom in the future as a ghost running after her mm. when she freaks out. I mean, perhaps there's things in cycles here because her, her mom's spirit is kind of chasing her in her freak out sequence yeah. at the end. I mean, it, it is. <laughs> and I think, like I said, oh, they're, they're wrong. It's like, no, that's a really cool interpretation. Like I said, on I'm that. not sure if I'm. Well, well that's just it's like, I don't know if I'm on board, but, but I, that's, it's an interesting I, thought. I get where they're coming from. Don't get me wrong. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, I don't know how much I'm bored I am with it. Let's put it that way. I feel like it's more of just, you know, she's probably feeling more like she's kind of, <laughs> in a way, you know, having sisters too. It's, we, we go through these stages of like, you know, we don't want to become like our parents. Let's put it that way. You know, and she's probably having a little bit of that, like, I don't want to become a mother, but here I am becoming my mother. And it's it's a haunting thing because I know what happened to her, you know, and it's probably going to happen to me. And so she's almost in a, like a self-fulfillment, like with this prophecy in a way. She's self-fulfilling it really tragically, you know. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, of course, it's going to haunt her through these this bad trip, this real bad trip, <laughs> you know. It's more than just witches called her, but... But because of all this stuff and because she's associating like what the town thinks of her and what this fulfillment is like, I got to eat my baby too. Right. <laughs> like, no, you don't, but she does. Yeah. And so, you know, you have all these stark realities clashing, you know, like superstition aspect, the reality of it, this, you know, this psychedelic induced hallucination aspect of it too. So, but, but is it all really happening in that way or? Maybe, <laughs> but it's okay. It's cool. So I'm pretty sure I know the answer, but I have to ask it. That's okay. I like it. <laughs> Hagazusa or the witch? Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, the witch, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's not, that's no disrespect toward Hagazusa. It's just a different take on it. You know, this one, I feel like it gets nerdy to the point where you can kind of overanalyze it if you want to. Not saying that you can't with a witch. I'm just feel like this one, because it's a student project. It's uh, kind of know. up its own ass a little bit. I, yeah, I want to say it's not pretentious or anything like that, but I just feel like it's it's so it, there's so much metaphor and there's some 
you know, symbolism. Not saying that the witch is not the witch. I just feel like this one's a little bit more like detail oriented in that respect. Like it's a little bit more, I don't know, more hyper focused. The witch feels more accessible, but not in a way that it feels dumbed down. Oh yeah, and I, I really respect that. And that's why it's like this this subgenre itself. There's so many really cool entries into it. And they all have a really interesting angle or take that they have on it. Like I said, this one, The Witch, that's a New England folktale and makes sense. This one is Germanic. It's set in Bavaria, Austria. So that makes sense. Which, that's what I said. That's why it's by a the unique way, take on it. The fact that it's European explains all the extra sexy times. Oh, without a doubt. <laughs> that was my first thought. I was like, as soon as like weird shit, I was like, oh yeah, this is European. Yeah, it's going to get a little sexy. Uh, but it also makes me think, you know, what's the differences in terms of like English folktale, Estonian folktale, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, stuff like that. But it's, it's, they're all really cool takes on the subgenre. I will say her potentially drowning her baby did remind me of something else, though, in a not pleasant way. Like it's thematically, they're not the same at all. Mm-hmm. But I was once, you know, a college student studying to be a music teacher. And I have had to listen to the opera Vacek three times in its entirety, at least one time watching a taped live performance all the way through. Wow. I do not like Vacek. I don't care for the opera. Yeah. And it ends with the main character killing his girlfriend. I'm trying to remember if they were actually dating or not at the time. I think they're dating and he either finds out for sure that she's cheating or he thinks that she's cheating and he ends up killing her basically like exclaiming like I'll be you know, like like you're the only one for me I'm going to I'm going yeah. to in, uh, ensure that like nobody else can have you Exactly if I can't have you no one can And then he goes back to town realizes that the bloody knife might give him away and he threw it into the lake, but he needs to make sure that it's far enough in the lake. And it can, and he's like freaking out, like he still has like blood on it, like he's in like a, in a, like almost like a psychosis at the end after having killed her. Like he's checked out mentally, and he decides like, oh shit, I need to go back and make sure that it's deep enough in the lake. So he swims back out there to find it and to get it even further into the lake and drowns. Yeah, just like. <laughs> Overanalyzing all the shit that he did, and and the the entire play is actually like a more of a commentary on war. Like okay. thematically, it has nothing to do with this. <laughs> but that fucking her going into the pond yeah. just reminded me so much of Vachek going back into the lake. I was like, Yeah, that's never good. Mm, you motherfuckers, <laughs> reminding me of Vachek. Yeah. <laughs> what did he say? It's uh, there was a film by Tarkovsky. I think he said it was. What did he say it was? Anywho, he was talking about the whole aspect of nature in the cabin kind of taking over where it started to make it feel like she was more in a witch hut, mm-hmm. you know, kind of taking on that dynamic. Didn't help that she had her freaking mom's skull in the corner being venerated. Right. <laughs> you know, that doesn't help with the decor. It's cool looking. It was cool looking. It's hard to notice because you don't get very many shots, but I'm pretty sure... Her mom's hood had those same flowers embroidered on them. Oh, that's what I'm saying. All that stuff is probably like little callbacks. Like, because who decorated it? They've never explained. Did she did it? Probably. 
the part I don't get is like, why would the church bring? Why, why did her? the yeah. church give her her I mom's decorated skull I, when I they're don't. trying to tell her like, quit being a fucking witch on the woods? I don't see that. Yeah, I think that's more of a like, maybe a convoluted retelling or like her her way of trying to venerate her mom a little bit. You know, exonerate her mom. Weird as fuck. Yeah, exactly. It's like why and would like, they paint up her skull like that? From my understanding, most of those old school ossuaries, those bones were from plague victims. Oh, yeah. So I don't know why her mom didn't just become part of Hall B. You know what I mean? Well, here's another thing I was thinking, too. I think this maybe lends its hand to why the, the village probably succumbed to some of the stuff that happened a little bit later on the film. Is when they were inspecting, when I say they, it was the doctor, the nurse, whoever it was. We're inspecting the mom. They were like just openly touching her wounds and stuff. We know sanitation wasn't up to par back then. So, oh, dude, when they were doing that, I'm like, don't do that. Well, that's just it. It's like, I'm like, I know you don't know to not do that, but don't do that. Like, so, don't get that shit on you. <laughs> if that's the case, like, we know she's not the only one they treated. There was probably who knows how many other town folk, you know. They weren't even wearing like plague masks. That's my point. So, they're the <laughs> ones who probably actually were spreading it, but because she's a witch. She spread this curse on it, that kind of stuff. I'm like, mm-hmm. no, you fuckers were touching yourselves and your face and all this, and then spreading it to other because you're doing licking your fingers. Yeah, <laughs> who knows what the hell you're doing, milking goats and stuff. <laughs> you know, so I'm thinking in those terms as well. But that's just it. It's like there's just enough going on in this film and all these little aspects, but because of that superstitious backdrop, there's all kinds of shit you can say it is or isn't, and that's okay. That's the fun of it. And that's what I like. So that's why I like this film too. Is is it the best one I've ever seen? No, of course not. But it's still interestingly enough where you can you can chew on it for a bit. I think it's fun to say that there's a witch story this good, where when you actually delve into the story, it's not a hundred percent clear clear whether there's actually a witch in it or not. And that's that's kind of the beauty of it, you know. It, is she maybe? Does she have to be? No, not necessarily. And that's okay. Yeah, the, the movie gives all sorts of explanations yeah, it's like, for how this might have worked It's a out. witch film without necessarily being a witch film. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I like that. Uh, it might be frustrating for others, that's all I'll say. It could be. Now, uh, I'm not sure if I have much else to say about this, though. No, Alex, I think uh, chewing on it this much is like, if you haven't seen it already, you probably should just, just to see what the fuck we were talking about. Yeah, I'll agree with that. Or just like go listen to the soundtrack. Yeah, the soundtrack's really pretty, too. I can say this. I did get the Arrow version of this. It's pretty nice, dude. It's double disc. Comes with a poster, double-sided. It's pretty decent. The the, the artwork accompanying this movie is pretty good because most of it centers around Mom's skull. Yeah, and uh, I like it. So what you see on the wiki is on one side, and the other side is there's another depiction of the skull and stuff like that. It's fucking dope. This is this is a, a folk horror block, but you would think with our next pick that it was just be a straight up witch block. I know it kind of it kind of sounds like it. we're we're gonna switch it up with the last movie. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. But next block, we're going old. old school, bro. It's the oldest movie we have done in a fucking minute. I'm okay with that, and it's it'll be a really cool. I think entry and it should draw some really cool takes. Dude, legitimately, if nothing else, I'm going to be happy to just finally cross this one off the list. Do you know <sighs> what I mean? And that's a part of the reason why we did the podcast in the first place. Axon. Yeah, that's going to be awesome. I'm looking forward to that. The OG witch movie? 
Yeah, arguably. As far as I know? Arguably. Like, we might have to do a little bit more research, but from what I understand, like, this is it? Dude, if that's the case, this is awesome. I'm super on board. I'm so curious to finally see it. Honestly, like, it's a movie that still gets a lot of praise. So I'm curious to see what that's all about. Yeah, it has a reputation. And then, I mean, we have no problem saying what it is because we're doing it with or without our guest. So we will finish off this block with the ritual. Yeah, that's going to be fun as well. Presumably with a guest. <laughs> that's the hopes. That's the hopes. We know how that works. But this is one of those ones where we're like, bro, if, if you can't make right? it, we're doing yeah, it. Yeah, we're doing it regardless. And we'll just get you in some other time. That's fine too. So, Haxon, then the ritual, then... Are we doing uh, Savage Land? Is that where, is that where we're No, going? because we still have... Oh, we still want to, to end cap. We're going okay. to so cap that, okay, off no, the that's slashers good. and then hit Savage Land. Well, if that is the case, then I believe we've got Tucker and Dale. Dale. Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Yeah, and so if we're continuing that run, we'll, we'll end cap it eventually with... Behind the Mask. Yeah, the rise and fall. Which I'm getting super excited for both of those movies now that we just brought them up. Yeah, that's going to be so much fun. No, we, we really hit it out of the, the fucking park with those films. But that's all coming up for this time. I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. Ride Squirms. Out. Hi, everybody. Tyler here. If you like the podcast, please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now. Also, if you could rate and review us however you're listening to us, or preferably over on Apple Podcasts, that'd be super cool as the entire world is ran on algorithms and we want to be all up in them. Uh, we highly appreciate it whenever you tell all your friends about us. If you have any suggestions, comments, questions, want us to put eyes on your current independent horror project, you can always contact us, squirmcast at gmail.com, or you can contact us through our website, www.friedsquirms.com. Uh, scroll through our entire back catalog there, or click the links up at the top as we are part of the Earverm Podcast Network, uh, and would love it if you went and checked out some of our sister shows. Uh, the easiest way to keep track of things across the entire network is to go over to that website. That's earverm.com, E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. Uh, you can search for us across all the social medias. If you type in Fried Squirms, we should be what pops up. I'm not going to give you all those ats. So with all of that in mind, we'd love to hear from you. Until next time, peace.